into the reading today is taken from the book of Luke, um, chapter 1, verses 57 to 80. So that's the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 57 to 80. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the whole country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Thank you so much, Sarah, for reading God's Word for us. Dear brothers, sisters, friends, reviews matter. Last week I got a phone call. What did you think of the product? They asked. So I said, well, it was fine, thank you. And they said, uh, wouldn't you consider to give us uh, your review? I said, no, sorry, I never do that. They said, okay. Later on, I was reminded of the fact that that was not really true, that I never did reviews. So, in general, if you have to give a review for anything you buy, you will always be busy with it. But we all give reviews, even when we are not aware. Last week, I think I was giving a review to our council while I mentioned a certain sanitizer we should buy that uh, is good for surfaces and that sanitizes for 24 hours. I wasn't aware, but I was just giving my review about something I, I had come to know about, that it was very good. Reviews matter, companies know it, and we all know it. So, before we buy something, often we first want to hear something from someone. I think the sound is coming double. Can I do something about it? I think we should put it off, otherwise the echo is so strong. Uh, back to uh, the sound. Um, I lost my point for a moment. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, reviews. So, we know that reviews matter, and... Um, yeah, so let's go to, to the Bible passage. Sorry, this, the sound is not fine today. Can it be put a, a little bit lower? Yeah, this is better. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So I lost my point for a moment. Reviews. Um, what about our reviews about God? 
that, that is the main point we want to go to today. What about our re- reviews about God? Now, you would, of course, suppose me, as your pastor, to say, give God good reviews. You wouldn't expect anything else, would you? And, of course, as a church, we want to give good reviews of God. How do we do that, by the way? I think our lives and also our song and worship is a sort of a review of God. So in our songs we think we sing about how great, how good, and so on, uh, God is. But of course everybody expects that. But um, the, the question is, what about our real opinion? What about what you really deeply in your heart think about God? Would you really give God a five star in how he reigns the world? in how he takes care of you, in how he hears your prayers. What is your review of God? I think when we look today at Zechariah, we see a changed man. We see here a man who went from a zero-star review of God in the temple. In this passage, we see him praise God, bless God. He is excited about God. So he's really changed. Now, how did that happen? This story is told for us that we may learn and see how God wants to change this in us as well. For he can, he will, he shall do that. He is changing man. People like Zechariah uh, in the way uh, as described in our passage. So that is what we look on today. When you read the beginning of Luke's Gospel, you see that Zechariah, of course, he wanted to come out of the temple and to bless God and bless the people, say praise to God and, and be blessed, uh, go with this good God, and then the people would be blessed and they would be excited about God and the nations would hear about God. But this is not how it went. Zechariah came out of the temple and he did not bless God. Because in the temple, when the angel had appeared to Zechariah, it had become clear that deep within the heart of Zechariah there had been unbelief. There had been skepticism about the promises of God. Yeah, even cynicism. In fact, if you look deep in the heart of Zechariah, although he seemed to be a blameless, pious man, if you look deep in the heart of Zechariah, if you ask him, what do you really think about God? Then he would have said, well, if God is really good, why don't I have a child? Why does he not seem to hear my prayers? Why all this sadness with the wicked King Herod? Where is the promised king? Why Caesar Augustus? And so on. This was how his heart was. But look at our passage. Listen to our Bible reading. Zechariah has changed completely. So let us see today three things. First, how God cured him. And learn how God cures us. How he cures skepticism and cynicism that is deeply hidden, I think, in every human heart. How? Next question, what is the result of the cure? What does that look like when God cures a man or a woman? And then thirdly, what is the aim of God in curing skepticism and cynicism? So, three questions. How, what's the result, and why, what is the aim of it? Now first, how did it change? At first sight, it seems that the change in Zechariah took place all of a sudden. So after he had written it on the writing tablet, his name is John, all of a sudden his mouth is opened, he praises God, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he is really excited about God. It seems it happened all of a sudden. It's a 
bit of this. There is an early Pentecost here, by the way. Have you observed this similarity between the beginning of Luke's Gospel and the beginning of Luke's second volume, the book of Acts? People all of a sudden filled with the Holy Spirit, excited about God and people standing and, and proclaiming the praises of God and of Jesus. It seems that it went all of a sudden, but if you take a closer look, you can see that it took time. So it may also take time with us. Of course, we want to have it all of a sudden, and indeed, God can do things all of a sudden, but at the same time, it takes time. It took time for Zechariah to, to begin to see what was going on. Initially, Zechariah had thought, we have to have a lot of patience with this God, with the way he deals with the world, with the way he deals with our lives. We have to have a lot of patience with God. But what Zechariah had to discover was that God had had a lot of patience with him. Have you thought of that in your own life? Look back in your own life and be aware that we, 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 we serve a patient. He's patient with us. He's not slow to fulfill his promises. He is patient with us. Observe. It takes time that your eyes are opened and that you see a good God very patient with our unbelief, with the slowness of us. So first, God showed him his patience. How did God cure it? God also showed him his faithfulness. God opened the eyes of Zechariah that God really keeps all his promises, that he keeps his word. Remember what the angel had told Zechariah, all the things that the angel told Zechariah, and see how everything the angel on behalf of God had announced, everything is fulfilled. To start with the most obvious thing, the angel had said, you will become mute, and that happened immediately. So, yeah, this word was fulfilled. But there was more. You wife will get pregnant, you will get a child. And to the amazement of Zechariah, he indeed saw that his wife got pregnant, and that she gave birth. Amazing that she would have a child, whereas they were almost 50 years old. But there was even more. The angel had said that the child would be filled with the spirit from the mother's womb. Remember the visit of Mary to Elizabeth and how the child leaped in the womb of his mother. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember that the angel said many will rejoice at his birth, at the birth of this child. And look at our passage. The neighbors, the relatives, they came, they rejoiced with Elizabeth about his birth. So all the things that were told by the angel are one by one fulfilled. So, Zechariah has to come to know about God's patience and also about God's faithfulness in keeping all his promises. And then something happens around the naming of the child. God has been faithful, but now the question is, Zechariah, when you get a second chance, will you be faithful? The angel had given a command about the name of the child. The name should be John. He will be named John. And when the neighbors say, well, there is a new Zechariah. Happy that there is a new Zechariah. Let's name him Zechariah after his father. Then his mother is responding very bluntly here. I was laughing when I read this text in Greek. I think Dutch people can say, no, no, not at all. But in general, in most cultures, you wouldn't say no. You would just say, well, rather let, him call, let, let us call him uh, John. But his mother is really blunt, straightforward. She says, no way, no way, no way. Don't call him Zechariah. His name is John. And then they are curious, what's this? Well, 
modern is obedience to what the angel said. And now the question is, what about Zechariah? And then there is something very amazing, I had never seen this before, know whether you saw it, then he gets to his father, but what, they, what do they do to his father? Do they ask him, well, Zechariah, what's his name? No, read what it says in, 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 in verse 62. They made signs to his father. Hey, first I wondered, then is Zechariah, I, I, I mean when somebody is mute, do you have to make signs to a person? That's what you do to someone who is deaf. Now some commentaries say maybe he was also deaf, but I don't think that is the point. I think this is something you sometimes see when somebody is disabled, then people begin to treat you as if you are completely mad. That, that doesn't feel fine, by the way. So, he would have liked to say, well, I, I, I am mute, but you can speak to me. But when they made these signs to Zechariah, I think he must have remembered how he came out of the temple. Unable to, to bless, to praise God and to bless the people, he made signs. It was really a failure how he came out of the temple. Now he sees these people making, making signs. Yeah, if the priest is doing so, well, the people will be doing so. And how, how shall the world come to know about God? And then, after he has seen the patience of God and the faithfulness of God, he makes a profession of faith. His response on, on what he has seen all the time is that he becomes obedient now. He's no longer unbelieving. He believes, he trusts God. And he writes, not, I want him to be called John. No, his name is John. The name is given by the heavens, by the angel, by God. And that is the moment that he is filled with the Spirit. He, he praises God. His, his skepticism, his cynicism has been cured. It took it some time, but now it's over. God has cured it. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he praises God. He is excited about God. How great. Well, what about us? Are we aware of the unbelief, the disappointments concerning God that we have in our hearts? We all have them. We are children of Adam and Eve. We have our sad questions, our anger, our unbelief towards God. We can hide it. We can say, well, I don't have. I'm a blameless person. I want to walk in a holy way. But be aware, this problem is in our hearts. But there is a God who sees it and who can cure it. See his patience. See it. See his faithfulness. And don't continue to be unbelieving. But look at his faithfulness and, uh, and see where the problem really lies. It's not in God, it's in us. So let's quickly move to the second question. What was the result of the cure? For this we can look at the song of Zechariah. What, what was the result of God's cure? Well, initially, if you would look at Zechariah, how he thought about himself and how he thought about God, then he may have thought about himself. I am walking blamelessly before the Lord. And God, well, God is a bit disappointing in all the things he is doing. He's not very, very faithful. He is a disappointing God. So I am a great believer. And God, well, God may be happy that I am so patient with him. But now the result of the cure that God gave him during these nine months is that he is aware of the problems in himself and that he is aware of the greatness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. The name of the child is John, which God is, the Lord is gracious. So what would you expect 
a father who had been childless for a long period and now has a child, what would you expect such a father to sing about and to praise God for? I think we would expect the song to be about how great is God, he has given me a child. But if you look at the song of Zechariah, at verses 67 uh, till 75, this song is not about Zechariah's child. It's about Mary's child. Have you seen that? So, the praise, the excitement that Zechariah has about God is not just, I didn't have a child, now I have a child, praise God. No, the point is that during these months, he has learned to know himself, and he has not learned to know God. Even though he was a blameless priest, there was unbelief and unfaithfulness in him. But he has seen there is a patient God. He, he, he doesn't reject me because of the unbelief in my heart. He cures my unbelief. He is merciful to the world. He is even merciful to me. I have been humbled. For yeah, God scatters the proud, and the proud are not only the kings and rulers elsewhere, the pride is in my own heart as well. I needed to be humbled. I needed to be muted, to be put on mute for some time. And now I see who, whom I really am, but I also see the goodness of my God. It has changed. So Zechariah now thinks, great of God. He is merciful, and he has done what he promised, namely he sent a saviour, a redeemer, so to say, a new Moses to bring a new exodus, a new redemption from the current pharaohs, from the current enemies. Beware, the enemies are still there, the pharaoh in our life, the powers, and there is the power of sin, of the devil, of death. We are frightened, we are scared by all the problems. But God sent a redeemer to be merciful over us. And then if you look at the second part of Zechariah's song, when he comes to sing about his own child, what is the role of his own child, of John? Well, John will point to Mary's child, will point to the son of David, to the redeemer. John's role is that he will point to Jesus. So to say, Jesus is the sun, his sun will be the moon, reflecting the light of the Saviour. And now what has the Saviour come for? We hear it in verse 77. John would give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. We needed a Saviour who would save us from our sins. Not only the sins elsewhere in the world, the obvious sins, but even the sins of the blameless, holy walking Zechariah, he had sinned as well. He had unbelief. The problem of Adam's children was also in Abraham's children. It was even in the heart of a priest like Zechariah. God has sent a saviour. So what about us? Is the same result in your life? How do you think about yourself? And how do you think about God? How many stars does your review carry? Have you begun to see the patience of God? Begun to see the faithfulness of God? Have you begun to see the Saviour? He who was so high, laid in a manger, going his way to the cross. Now answer this question personally. Who is the faithful one? And who is the one who should apologize? Look at him who rose from the dead. Look at him who ascended into the heavens. Look at him who will come with the clouds of heaven. We shall have to answer the question, who is the faithful one? And who is the one who has to apologize? In Zechariah, this has really changed. First, even when an angel stood before him, bringing him a gospel message, he, he thought, well, it's too late, it's too little. Uh, God should apologize for all I have suffered. But now, 
In the course of time, everything has changed. He sees the faithfulness of God. He has apologized. He has repented. He is no longer an unbeliever, but he sees the amazing greatness and the amazing grace of God. Now let us quickly turn to the third and the last question. What is God's aim in curing our unbelief? What is the purpose? Why? Why? Why did God cure this? Why did God bring this result in, in Zechariah's life? And why should we hear about this all? Well, there are two important reasons, I suppose. First reason, remember for whom this gospel was written. Remember, it was written for Theophilus. Theophilus, that he might have certainty concerning the things he had been taught him. Now, we, may, we can imagine that Theophilus, probably a high official somewhere in Rome, Although he was attracted to the gospel and to this loving God, other times he may have thought, well, when I look around, I, I don't see that God reigns. I don't see that the Savior has come. And Theophilus may have had his personal disappointments. And then he may have thought about himself, I'm not really a good believer. I see those people like Zechariah. I, I see those holy people. I can never be like However, how comforting for Theophilus to read about Zechariah. Even this, this, this man walking blamelessly before the Lord had similar problems. And God could cure this problem in his life. Well, first aim, why should we hear about this? If God could cure it in the heart of Zechariah, he can cure it in the heart of uh, Theophilus. And of course, he can cure it in your heart, in our hearts as well. We may have confidence if we have these troubles. See, Zechariah... Read on in Luke's Gospel and see how much patience the Lord has with his disciples. See those disciples walking on the way to Emmaus. We hoped that he would be the one who would redeem Israel. We hoped. They're very disappointed about the Lord. Well, see how God cures the problem. So first aim, keep confidence. If you wrestle with cynicism, with doubts, with skepticism, don't give up. Don't think the Lord must reject me now. But but continue to, to pray and to ask the Savior to show you his gospel, to show you his patience, his faithfulness, that your heart may be cured with his love and with his gospel until you too are, for the first time, are again filled with the Spirit and give him your praises, his good reviews. That brings me to the second and the last aim. Why does God cure the problem? Why is this so important? Well, remember, reviews matter. What does the world around us, what do your neighbours and relatives think about God? Probably some of you say, well, they are quite cynical or sceptic about it. But perhaps it goes further. They may not even be cynical or sceptic. They may be completely unknowing about the God of Israel, the Father of Jesus Christ. Now, how will they ever hear about him if our own personal reviews of God and of Jesus are not very good? God has a people in the world. God has a temple in the world. God has a priestly, royal people. Why does he have them? That they may proclaim the excellencies of, of, of the Lord. So that if people see you, and that you are excited about the Lord, they taste it. They, 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 they smell the aroma of the Lord in your life. They may get curious, and they may ask for a reason for the hope that is in you. Of course, that is another aim. So that the world may come to know. This is the way the gospel spreads. When we get to know the Lord, trust Him, love Him, see Him, believe Him, obey Him, and become filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the gospel goes on. The Lord cures skepticism. What about 
our reviews of the law. May our eyes be open for the glory of our gracious Lord and our hearts believe and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father God, thank you that you don't reject us when we have disappointing, disappointed feelings about you, when there is skepticism, cynicism, or unbelief in our hearts. Thank you that you cured it in Zechariah's life and that you want to cure it in our life. Lord, thank you that you want to fill us and feed us with bread and wine and with your gospel, that we may be comforted and may rejoice in you through your Holy Spirit. Amen.